Well, it's good this morning to have news from another network. I had a conversation with a friend recently, and he was discouraged. And by the end of the conversation, he told me three things. He said, first of all, I don't trust anything in this world. Second of all, I don't have hope. And third of all, I really don't like people anymore. He was just very honest. Whatever his intake has been has made him very angry and upset. He and we need news from another network. I bring you good news today, just some elements of good news. Uh, Joe and Norma Mosley, 70 years of marriage this week. We give thanks to God. Is that a long time? Because that seems like a really long time. Seth, Melanie and I, are just, we're just barely halfway there, Melanie. That's amazing. Um, and happy birthday to Donna, Megan, and Rachel. You know who you are. So, good news today. Uh, one of our members sent me a picture this week of a new bank in our community. You may know this bank. I did not know about this bank. But I love the name. I always wonder where banks get their names. But this one, Bank of Hope. And our member wrote me this note and said, thank goodness, there's still a bank full of hope for all of my withdrawals of hope. Well, we will never run out of hope because the writer of Hebrews says, Jesus is our new and living way. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? Hebrews 10, verse 19. Hear the word of the Lord together today. And therefore, brothers and sisters. That's who we are. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, three lettuces. Don't miss the lettuces. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Second, let us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Third, let us, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Those early believers in the book of Hebrews had not yet resisted to the point of the shedding of blood. So they were being persecuted, but there was no bloodshed yet. But we read, for instance, in verses 32 to 35, that people were breaking into their homes because they were Christians and taking away their stuff. It was a crazy time where persecution was just beginning. There was an unfavorable emperor. Sometimes there were favorable emperors toward Christianity, sometimes unfavorable, and they've entered into this new season. And the writer of Hebrews says, we can persevere. And the reason we can persevere is because we serve a Savior who persevered. 
who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father where he ever lives to intercede for us. We can endure because not only are we praying for each other, but Jesus himself is praying for us. He is interceding for us. He is our great advocate. And very simply, just to summarize this passage, what Jesus has done on the cross, what he is going to do by coming back again, give us power to do three things today, to live, first of all, to draw near to God in full assurance of faith, to hold on to our hope, and to spur one another on to love and good deeds. The world would say there is no way to believe, no way to trust. But in response to that, Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection say way. There is a way, and here is the way. Jesus, our new and living way, fills us with faith. So we draw near in full assurance of faith. And in verse 22, we hear him saying, we can draw near in full assurance of faith. I think of the book of James, where that's one of the early books of the New Testament. James says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. He says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. How exactly do we come near? Well, when the writer of Hebrews uses this, for example, in chapter 4 of Hebrews and in chapter 7 and in this passage, the way we come near to God is in prayer. So we exercise our faith through prayer, and he uses this word with boldness. And look, that word was around before the Christians were, but the Christians were the first to use the word boldness to describe prayer in full assurance of faith. With boldness, we come into the presence of the God who is able. Listen to chapter 4, where he describes boldness in prayer. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. He says, let us draw near. One of the beautiful pictures of coming to the Lord's Supper table the way we did today is that it shows us that sometimes we can come near. We can draw near. So historically, Baptists, we come forward when we join the church, when we receive Christ, when we rededicate our lives. But sometimes it's good to come to the table and to receive mercy and grace, these beautiful symbols that show us. I was thinking about this come near, and I was thinking about how when, um, when we're young, some of you may remember this, there, there were cars with no consoles in the middle. And oftentimes when a young man and a young woman were dating, they would sit side by side really close. The way my parents described that was, it takes two people to drive that car. You got the driver and then one right b beside them. And I love the story of the old farmer and his old pickup, and he's still driving the pickup that he was driving when he was courting with his wife. And she's sitting across the pickup, and she says, we don't sit close to each other anymore. 
And he, driving the pickup, said, I have not moved. I am where I have always been. Be assured of this. If there is distance between us and God today, he has not moved. Jesus Christ, this book says, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we come to him in faith. And in the next chapter, he defines that faith. And this is what he says. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then in verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11, he says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Can I just ask you, church, are we earnestly seeking him? In the hour before we gathered in this room, one of our members who has been driven by God to her knees in prayer, she came and populated this area and poured out her heart in prayer. And she said to me, I feel like the Lord is saying to us, we need at least 24 people to sign up to pray for an hour. And she said, I'll be number one. Are there 23 other people who will sign up to pray. We might say, well, we'll we'll start at at one o'clock today and go till 12 o'clock tomorrow. Are there 24 people who will sign up? I don't have an official sign-up sheet. This is fresh, but we could just put a piece of paper out there on the table to my left. And if you want to sign up, for an hour, just sign up so that we, the people of God, can come boldly. And why did those early believers need faith? Why do we need faith today? Well, those early believers were being persecuted for their faith. And so he says in verses 32 and 35, you were beaten and you were mistreated and you were tortured and they took away your property. And listen to this, he says, and you didn't care because you had something better than what they took away from you. Brothers and sisters, if our treasure is still in this world, then somebody can take it away from us. But if, if our treasure is not on this earth, but our treasure is hidden with God in heaven, nobody, we have something better. So we trust and we come boldly in prayer. Second, when the world says there's no way to hope anymore. I can't tell you how many of my Christian friends in our conversations imply to me there's no reason for hope anymore. And I always think there's Jesus. I mean, if you're looking for a reason to hope, Jesus is a really, he's all those early Christians had and he was all they needed and he turned the world right side up and he's still on his throne. So tell me again why we have no hope. Jesus, our new and living way says, way, there is a way to hope and this hope is the hope in which God holds us. So he fills us with faith. He holds us in hope. And our job is to hold on to that hope. And the good news about hope is hope is a confident expectation. So earlier in chapter 619, uh, he says this hope is an anchor for your soul. It's not just a possibility or probability. It's a certainty. You can take it to the bank. You can write checks because this hope will Stand, And I fear that the church sometimes has lost hope. And he gives us a reason to hope right there in verse 23, doesn't he? He says, why do we hope? Why do Christians hold on with pit bull tenacity? Why will we not let go of our hope? Because God is faithful. And I remembered in Lamentations chapter 3, 
maybe on the worst day of Jeremiah's life, maybe when they threw him in the cistern and he sunk in the mud and he thought he was going to die in the mud. And in Lamentations chapter 3, he says, all my hope has been taken away and I am in despair. And then in verses 21 to 26, he says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. This morning, for instance, great is your faithfulness. Our hope is firmly rooted in the faithfulness of God. And so it is strong. The Lord is our portion. We wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It's good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Or as uh, Emily Dickinson put it in her unforgettable uh, poem, hope is the thing with feathers. She pictures hope as a bird. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in your soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the strangest land and on the chilliest sea. Yet never in extremity it asked a thing of me. This afternoon, we have a church that will meet over in our gym. They have had about 500 members over the last 15 years. They themselves have planted seven churches in our city. And their ministry here, uh, Mong and Tong, kind of sound like Priscilla and Aquila, don't they? Uh, they, they, were, they were chaplains in the medical center. I said to them as members of our church, you should plant a church for the people of, of Myanmar. I didn't know that there was going to be a great exodus from Myanmar and that these folks from Burma, that's the older name for it, would come here. But they did, and they came in great numbers. And this church grew from 20 people to over 500 members in these years. And they have planted seven churches, and they bought their own property, and they're moving over to that property. But their ministry, they would tell you, began with a, a, a husband and wife, Adoniram and Anne Hasseltine Judson, who went as missionaries to Burma and there uh, Judson, Adoniram Judson was thrown in jail. Uh, there he lost his wife. He lost his children. He went many years without a single convert. And one day somebody asked him, so are you thinking that there's any hope? I mean, what are the prospects that the people of Burma are going to become followers of Jesus Christ? Uh, how bright is the future? And he answered with this simple phrase, as bright as all the promises of God. I think about that when I walk by on a Sunday afternoon as I did last week and see a gym full of people from Burma singing to God that there was once a husband and wife missionary team and they had hope and because they had hope people in Houston, Texas 170 years later have hope because Jesus Christ is our hope when the world says there's no way to, to believe or trust we say way when the world says there, there's no way to hope we say way Jesus is our new and living way and third when the world says there's no way to love people anymore. Jesus says way, our new and living way leads us to live lives of love. So he says, let us spur one another on in love. That word uh, paroxysm is a sharp word. It means to goad somebody. Literally, I think our best would be kind of to agitate people 
to keep, and that's not a spiritual gift. Some of you say, Pastor, I found my spiritual gift. <laughs> it's not on any of the lists. Agitation, you look in Romans 12, 1 Corinthians, it's not there. But he says, you can spur one another on to what? To love each other. We can love each other because we have been so wonderfully loved. This is God's promise to us that we can live with faith. We can live with hope. We can live with love. And Jesus said in John 13, 35, by this the whole world will know you're my disciples if you take over the place. No, he didn't say that. He says, if you have love, one for another. I love what uh, Eloy Cruz said to Jimmy Carter on a mission trip when Jimmy Carter noticed how much Eloy Cruz loved these immigrants who were coming in from Puerto Rico. Eloy himself was from Cuba. And Jimmy Carter said, it must be hard. It must be hard to always love the way you do. And Eloy Cruz said, Senior Jimmy, we only need to have two loves in our lives. For God and for the person right in front of us at any time. Those are the only two you gotta worry about. God and the person who's right in front of you. If you can love them, you can fulfill the great commandments that Christ gave to us. And this is the love that we have come to know in Jesus Christ our Lord. So with the early Christians, we fix our hope in our Christ and his return, not on any earthly event. He says, all the more encourage one another as you see the day approaching. You know what those early Christians were waiting for? They were not waiting to find out who the next emperor was because they already had their Lord, Jesus Christ, the Lord of life. And because Jesus Christ was Lord, they weren't thinking like if they were here today, they wouldn't be saying, well, 2022 or 2024 or 2028, they would say, when Christ comes, this is our hope. As E. Stanley Jones said, the early Christians succeeded. And by the way, we can succeed in the same way because they didn't lower their eyes in despair and say, look what this world has come to. No, those early Christians succeeded because they lifted their eyes in delight and said, look who has come to the world. Jesus has come. And because Jesus has come, we know that he will come again. He will come personally. He will come visibly. Every eye will see him. Somebody said to me this morning, well, how will people know when Jesus returns? Will people be uh, texting each other? Listen, every eye will see him, the Bible says, personally, visibly, powerfully, victoriously. When Jesus comes back, he's not going to take sides. He's going to take over because he and he alone is the Lord of life. So he and he alone gets our devotion, our loyalty, our allegiance to Christ alone. And good news, brothers and sisters, to a world that says no way, we say way. And by the way, the bank of hope is open. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And as Paul said, three things are going to be there at the end. Faith, hope, and love.
And the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your amazing love for us, Lord. You have taught us through the new and living way of Jesus to come boldly into your presence with faith, to hold on to our hope, and to spur one another on to love. And to these things we say, yes, Lord, yes to your will, yes to your way. And since you've given us a new and living way, we turn away from the old and dying way to the new and living way, who is Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.